0: Welcome to the Creators on Comics Podcast. Spooky Halloween Edition. This podcast is usually a conversation between two comic creators that I've paired up to interview each other, but for the month of October, we're going to do a series of spotlight interviews with creators of horror comics that I've enjoyed. This episode features Brenda Hickey and Troy Little, both comic artists and writers from Prince Edward Island, Canada, and the co-creators of the flipbook, Butterfly House as well as co-creators of Pegamoose Press. I had a great time interviewing both of them at once, and I hope you enjoy the episode.
1: Hi, I'm Jordan Patrick Finn. I am an independent comics writer and editor, and I am the host of the Creators on Comics podcast. I am joined today by two guests. I'm joined by Brenda Hickey and Troy Little. Uh, why is it two guests on a Spotlight episode? Well, that's because of the format of the book, which we'll get into shortly. The first of my two special guests is Brenda Hickey. Brenda is a comic artist and writer from Prince Edward Island, Canada. Her credits include My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, published by IDW, Ward's Valley by Top Shelf, Halls of the Turnip King by Pegamoose Press, Agretsuko by Oni Press, and the book that we're here to talk about, Butterfly House, also by Pegamoose. Brenda, thank you for joining me today.
2: Thanks for having me, Jordan.
1: My second guest is Troy Little. Troy is also a comic artist and writer from PEI Canada. His works include The Powerpuff Girls, Rick and Morty, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and of course, Butterfly House. Troy has been nominated for a Harvey Award, a Ringo, Sequential Magazine Awards, and four times for the Eisners. In addition to their writer and artist credits, Brenda and Troy are the co-founders of Pegamoose Press. Troy, thank you also for joining me here today.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: So the first thing that I want to ask each of you about, and you can you know answer separately or overlap each other as much as you uh, want to, uh, the first thing is how and why did you get into making comics? What drew you to this industry specifically?
3: I grew up watching Looney Tunes cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons, and I always thought I'd be an animator. So I decided, you know, I'll, I'll look into going to Sheridan College, they had a good animation course. I started off with illustration. I did three years of that, thinking I'd go back take the animation course, but I never did. I ended up instead working in animation in Ottawa for about eight to 10 years. And somewhere around that time, I started discovering independent and self-published comics and small press like Cerebus, Strangers in Paradise, and Bone. And they were a little bit of a black and white roadmap of like, oh, wow, you can can make your own independent comics. I was always kind of mystified by how you do that. It seemed like Marvel and DC were these New York things that you couldn't get into. And I wasn't so much interested in doing Batman or Superman or those kinds of things. So these alternative comics really kind of caught my eye and my attention where one person or a small group of people could just write and draw their own stories and publish them. So I started doing that uh, in my spare time and it eventually overtook my animation gig and became my full-time job. And uh, I've had a good blend of being able to do really cool licensed work, which I've been able to both write and draw as well as do my own stories kind of in between that.
1: Of course, I kind of at the start I listed off a lot of your um IP that you've worked on and stuff instead yeah. of more creator own stuff, but yeah, yeah. Let me not mislead the listeners to think that you only have done that. I'm just trying to for very sure. briefly summarize uh long careers that you both have had. Mm-hmm. Um so Brenda,
2: for me, I grew up of course the same watching Saturday morning cartoons in the 90s and I just and Disney Disney was big for me and my world. And I was little, I was in PEI, like there's no way I could imagine, like I could make animations, but I could always draw comics on paper that I had at home, like just the loose leaf paper I'd find around my house. And I had a big family, so a couple of my sisters and I kind of fed off each other and we made stories and chapter books and eventually turned into comics. And I think the real passion for the medium came... Uh, when I discovered manga, because I was a child of the manga boom, the early manga boom. <laughs> so I was super into Sailor Moon and all these, like, you know, kind of more comics geared for girls, because I always thought, well, comics are a boys thing, because it's always Batman, Superman, Spider Man.
1: Mm-hmm. Let me and... ask was uh, Card captors a big one for you?
2: Oh, yeah. Card Captor, <laughs> for sure. Card Captor and Sailor Moon and all these things. So seeing the manga and then seeing like pe- the people who made, Card Captor and Magic Knights, like called Clamp. They were just a collective of four women and they would produce these books in that little group. So it felt pretty doable. And in Black and White, too, you felt like, yeah, this is pretty doable. So all growing up, I basically would just fill binder after binder of these creator owned stories, really, you know, just rip offs of everything I was reading until eventually I came to that point where it's like well what do you want to do with your life school's over and it's time to think a little bit more seriously and I took a graphic design course here in Charlottetown uh, with Holland College and my one of my instructors Sandy Carruthers he he created comics he was actually one of the co-creators of the original Men in Black series back in the day of the comics so we got talk. we'd talk a lot about comics and he introduced me to Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics series so I was starting to kind of see the world of comics not so much in that hobby sense in the binders with the loose leaf paper but see it as as like a tangible thing and like a professional thing that you could pursue and of course another thing that was new at the time was web comics so I was able to publish my stuff online before eventually collecting them in books and print through print on demand which of course I love books so I don't think I could ever exclusively do a web comic it always has to be the end product is a physical book
1: so, I'm right there with you. There's something about the tangible aspect of holding yeah. something that you've made is is really, yeah,
2: yeah, I kind of view web comics as like a preview of that book you want to eventually buy. So I, that's kind of how I go towards them. Like, I'm like, okay, I like this. So I'll kind of keep a mental note in that. And then I'll Look for it when it comes out, if it comes out in book form. But yeah, eventually I thought, well, this is a good hobby and all, but I'd like to actually pay my bills with it. So we approached IDW because Troy already had published a few books, creator-owned books, Kira Skira and Angora Napkin with IDW. So at this point we had met, obviously. So <laughs> we connected on the comics thing, like two yeah. comic people in PEI, you know, you find each other. You're drawn
3: together. <laughs> <you> <laughs> say.
2: Yeah. So... Yep. We were talking about, like, how do we actually make this work? So we decided to put our feelers out with IDW. And um, for me, with my, like, manga background, with, like, a lot of, like, those shojo mangas, My Little Pony just seemed like a logical fit for yeah. me, for an IP to pitch for. So luckily, I got on that. Yeah, I put together a pitch for them with character sketches and page samples and stuff. So I lucked out and got the job based on that. So thank goodness they're open to me a noob in the industry, right? Like
1: Yeah, that's that's yeah. great. Yeah. Let me uh interrupt you there cuz you touched yeah. on something that I wanted to ask about, but mm. I might as well just bump it up to now. I did yeah. want to ask about the independent comics creating scene in PEI and I guess in the Maritimes in general. Um mm. you alluded to it being pretty small <laughs> and people yeah. uh, you and you and Troy were able to connect just from being locals. Mm-hmm. Um is that the case still? Uh, has it evolved over time? How have you found that? Um, are shows in the Maritimes good? Are they well attended, well tabled? Um, or do you find yourselves traveling a lot to yeah. to sort yeah, of sell well, your books?
2: Yeah, there's there's been a lot of growth in the Maritimes. like a lot more conventions are popping up in New Brunswick, especially. Nova Scotia's got a few. And PEI even has its own convention now called IEX, the Island Entertainment Expo. So that's done three years now.
3: Yeah, three years. We have a zine fest coming up now as well. Yeah,
2: so lots of interest in it for sure. And workshops of people that, you know, like to teach this stuff. We're not so much teachers, so... But we've got a buddy, Tyler Landry, who's really talented, and he loves to teach the storytelling of comics and the visual language of comics.
3: Tyler's got a lot of good stuff out there. He's a phenomenal indie comic artist. So you check out Tyler Landry's stuff. He's got a new book out from, what's the one in Craig Thompson? Uncivilized? Uncivilized Books.
2: Is that the publisher?
3: Whatever's publishing ginseng roots by Craig Thompson has got a mm-hmm. new book by Tyler Landry out. Yeah, I gotta pick that up yet. But his stuff's
1: a phenomenal.
2: Yeah. So if you're looking for more PEI-based artists yeah. <laughs> that are that are making comic books, definitely check out Tyler Landry.
1: Yeah, that's something to keep in mind.
2: Yeah. So the pony thing happened, and mm-hmm. as much as it was good to be working on mainstream comics, I still had that need to tell my own stories. So my Halls of the Turnip King was kind of done in the after hours of the day job. And eventually, when it was finished and we wanted to publish it, and you with your newest Ingor Napkin project, we decided Pegamoose Press was the place where those projects could land because.
3: Yeah, we were kind of wrapping yeah. up two seven year side projects yeah. simultaneously, <laughs> and we're like, what do we do with these? Mm-hmm. And as much as we've had some success with working with Oni, working with Top Shelf and other companies With a
1: long list of publishers that you both worked with. Yeah. yeah,
3: (laughs) The problem with any publishers is that you're kind of at their mercy, you know, if they don't really put the effort into pumping and selling your independent book, you know, you're not really going to see really great returns on that, which was kind of the case for me with IDW. So it didn't really make sense to give them more work finding that they really didn't kind of like... Make promote it, it to the level that you wanted book, book, it to
1: be promoted
3: right? it's kind of like kickstarters and crowdfunding came along and we're yeah. like we could do this better ourselves so let's <laughs> yeah yeah
2: yes so we did our two books um, and and turnip king with pegamoose kind of like the birth of pegamoose and then we felt like the third the third book should be a collaboration and that's when we started brainstorming about butterfly house Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, you yeah. guys are speed running sort of all the all the questions <laughs> that I wanted to talk to you about. I oh, wanted to ask oh, you no. <laughs> about the the founding of Pegamoose. Oh yeah. Oh um, well, sorry Did you guys want to go uh into more detail, elaborate oh, on, yeah, on can, that a little can, more?
2: Yeah, yeah, we can go in more detail on that. Was...
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've you've mentioned I guess I guess why you wanted to, to create your own publishing company, but maybe instead of uh the why, let's get into like the how. What what was the process behind you guys actually doing that and putting it together
3: well first thing i think was having finished books mm-hmm. gave us uh something to work with and it was not uh, it was putting the cart before the horse kind of thing like we have something and we've seen the success some places we're having with kickstarters and crowdfundings so we're like well, maybe we can we can lean into that a little bit and and try it out brendan was very good at putting it together and building the kickstarter sites and just kind of learning from what we've seen other people do and other successful kickstarters Mm -hmm. and what we can kind of like take the best from that and fingers crossed see how it works with turnip king you know
2: yeah and asking people in our community who had run kickstarters before like um giselle legacy who's in bathurst new brunswick she does pixie tricks comics and she runs a kickstarter yearly and she's been doing it probably over 10 years now Mm -hmm. and she's an excellent resource and she's very open about how she does her her pitches and her kickstarters so she was an excellent resource for that to really to really figure out what works and what doesn't and mm-hmm. yeah so i yeah, i found that peers.
1: i found that to be um my experience with with kickstarters as well other creators on kickstarter are so open and and mm-hmm. helpful and willing to share all of all of the advice mm-hmm. um, in terms of like oh this is what i paid for shipping this is where i set my mm-hmm. prices this is what promotion worked what maybe didn't work um,
2: mm-hmm.
3: i
1: do feel like uh, the kickstarter comics community has been so collaborative and so helpful
2: yeah it's good because in indie comics it's not a competitive atmosphere because it doesn't like if i sell lots of books that doesn't mean anything about that's not taking sales away from anybody it's not
1: a zero-sum game whatsoever it's very much a, a rising tide Rise, all and, ships. Whatever that that saying is, it's very yeah, much that yeah, situation, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It
2: just feels like the more we help each other, the better the platform will be, and the better quality books, and the happier the customers. So it's like we don't want to see anybody fail. Yeah. So no, quite the contrary, know, yeah. I
3: get I have real beef with people who run <laughs> Kickstarter's and don't, and and they yeah. ruin everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Like, people who
1: maybe just, don't fulfill on their projects. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> when when they either overpromise or you know. Uh, our our philosophy was always have a finished product before you run the kickstarter so it's it's a done deal like mm-hmm. you just that's you a lot fix- safer for
1: backers yeah
3: Absolutely, yeah. it's done. You're not paying me to do it, and then life gets in the way because things happen, mm-hmm. and always so things always take longer than you imagine. Even even just fulfilling printing and fulfilling takes longer than you imagine. So yeah,
2: so there was a lot of that when it came to planning Pegamoose Press, and luckily we're on the same page with that. Yeah. Nobody, neither of us wants to put the cart before the horse, so we're like we're pretty good to understand. Like yeah, this is this is the only way it's going to work, and we want to emphasize the quality of the books and we want to emphasize like the customer satisfaction and make sure that they have a good experience. Yeah, you try to build a goodwill
3: with everybody in that and really put out a quality quality book. Mm -hmm. Something you you just pick it up and the feel of it was just Mm -hmm. the start. You know, hopefully you enjoy the story, but it should be an object you enjoy because we're both book nerds. We're just Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) give me a book and you know, I I just can't read stuff online because I don't want to. Just don't enjoy it. So We always want to make books first, you know, and have a physical object.
2: And we were really inspired because before we really took the dive to do the Pegamoose books and print Turnip King and Gornapkin Butterfly House, we happened to get an invite to this book fair in Poland because My Little Pony is published over there. So the publisher wanted to have us over and do some signings. So I was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Good trip to Poland. Like, send us over. Let's go. (laughs) And um, just seeing the publishing climate like the the publishing in europe is so different than north america and we met this one guy Timoff, who's got Timoff comics mm-hmm. and he's just one guy and he just if he likes a book he publishes it and it's like a french book he's like i'll do a polish edition or if it's this book i'll do it and they need just one guy can produce this book so it felt suddenly like this is very doable and it kind of got you back from the like the dave sim self-publishing days like yeah. it kind of yeah. like sparked that passion again you're like oh yeah like this is all doable it's all possible and yeah
3: he, he just put out some such good quality books <laughs> uh-huh. like, we bought a bunch of you couldn't read them just because they were gorgeous
2: <laughs>
1: yep. yeah yeah <and> like <laughs> it's
2: in polish but it's too pretty we
1: can't leave it <laughs> i've done that yep bunch of german (laughs) books are on my coffee table right now yeah Yeah,
3: magnetic press has been putting out a lot of great stuff like that Just beautiful produced books from europe and stuff that we don't get around here that just totally gets us jazzed or making comics
2: yeah the european scene is still kind of a mystery to me because it's like of course you know your north american stuff and of course you know the manga but europe's doing some real cool things (laughs) like tell me more about this i want to know yeah they're they're just on another level
1: ben
3: desnay if i'm pronouncing mm. that correctly that was seen yeah mm. i mean i was I was measuring asterix books to make sure butterfly house was the right size All yeah
2: so butterfly house <laughs> was very inspired by the bds because mm. i mean turnip king and gornak were already done and formatted but butterfly house was a blank slate so we're like we'll definitely make this the bd vibe so um, yeah
1: well i i have to say as, as a person holding butterfly house in their hands, uh, you guys absolutely accomplished your goals of, of making <laughs> a you. really deluxe premium format book. Like th- this Thank hardcover you. is feels fantastic. And it's got gloss finish on it. It's, it's, it's a great book. I'm, I'm very Thank happy you. with the quality of, of the product. And I, I just you. wanted to tell you guys, you did. A great Thank thing. you. We knew it
3: was a bit of a slim volume. So we were hoping, you know, if we can at least put our best forward, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, people feel like, okay, this feels like I got my money's worth, you know, as much as it's a thin book. Yeah. Yeah. You still want to make a nice product. So yeah.
1: yeah. You want a book that's nice to hold in your hands and nice to see on your shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's great for me to bring home to the wife when I come home from a show, she wants to see like, can this book look really nice in our <laughs> living room, put it on the bookshelf. It yeah. looks really good. Yeah. Right. yeah, good. That makes everybody happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually regarding the, the format of the book, this is a, a very niche probably question, but the interior cover is, is this like butterfly wallpaper. I really wanted to ask you guys about that. Who did the the wallpaper right. design. What was the idea behind that? Like, how did you work on that? It, it, mm-hmm. it It's like entrancing. I could stare at this butterfly wallpaper, but I am like a wallpaper lover. And I, yeah. like, I love, I love these repeating patterns. So I don't know. Can you just talk about the, the butterfly <laughs> yeah. wallpaper? I love it so much. This
3: is the only time you get to talk about your end papers.
2: <laughs> yes. yes so. Please. Yeah. So the idea was because the whole vibe of the house is kind of like that old Victorian style. So it's like, what's a Victorian wallpaper look like? So I did a lot of research in Google image searches for like Victorian wallpapers and yeah basically just save my favorite ones and re- and kind of figure out what's the best the one I like that I can replicate closely and but also keep unique and then yeah you got to put that butterfly in there so it's the butterfly house wallpaper but yeah definitely we wanted to give it that old house wallpaper vibe
1: I love the choice <laughs> it, it it adds so much to the book it makes I don't know it, it feels more cohesive and more themed because the book now feels like uh, like a reflection or a representation of the house, which mm. is obviously super central to the story of the comic called Butterfly House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the book was
3: really designed with a lot of intent so that yeah. there's no really discerning side to say which side do I read first because it's yep. a flip book. So I did half and Brenda did half. If, if anyone doesn't know how this book
1: is laid out. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even get into that. I, I skipped right past a whole bunch of questions because <laughs> we were on that speed round at the start. Yeah, sorry. Please explain the format of the flip yeah. book, why you guys chose to use this format for the book, please elaborate mm. on that for a few minutes.
2: Yeah, because we we knew we always wanted to collaborate on something. We've been in doing comics, like known each other and doing comics for the last 10 years mm-hmm. or so. And so it's like, how would we collaborate? Would we do the traditional way where one of us writes, one of us draws? Like, how would it work? But it just felt like, well, we both write. We both draw. So let's, let's bring it all to the table. Why do we have to pick and choose? And actually, funny enough, when we got married in 2012, our little um, party favors that we gave away at the reception, it was a little mini comic we made of like Troy's version of How We Met on one side and then flip it over. And then it was my version of How We Met. <laughs> so it was our first flip book that we did. So we're like, why don't we revisit that, but just do it in this, like, what kind of story would we tell in this set, in this case? And I right. had been thinking of an idea in the back of my head and i was like it i always kind of thought it would be an interesting story if someone went to an abandoned house and found clues around the house of like who the person was who lived there before and they got kind of obsessive about it and then troy's like oh it could be a ghost story though so we would just talk it out and very organically come up with the story
3: over years
2: over a yeah, few like, <laughs> years yeah yeah if we were traveling like driving up to Summerside PEI to visit your mom. And it's a 45 minute drive from Charlottetown. So it's just like, talk, 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 talk.
3: We were on the way back from Poland, I think. We were eating all this Swiss chocolate. And we just (laughs) went right into it. What if this, you know, or three in the morning, I wake up, hey, hey, (laughs) you know, I thought I was thinking,
2: yeah what if this until eventually we got to a point where we're like let's just get a bottle of wine and some note cards and write down plot points and make this actually tangible or else we'll never settle on anything
3: yeah so, and so it was all this just floating mm-hmm. ideas yeah. for a lot of years about okay well here's how we could do it it'd be like a flip book somehow and mm-hmm. and here's how we could split it up into two time periods so you when we could just write it together in some loose mm-hmm. format and then pick a half. you take this you take that you know whatever appeals Mm -hmm. to you and and so yeah we sat down one night with with just note cards and wrote Mm -hmm. page ideas so we know we need like 26 pages each these Mm -hmm. are the cards there it's kind of like how is it going to mirror each other you know yeah
2: so we could see with the cards stacked side by side it's like well this is the page where this happens like where she first sees the house so make sure page four the other side is where she sees the house to kind of mirror it yeah so you could kind of visually see how those pages were laid out even though it was in the most Mm -hmm. basic note form
3: Mm -hmm. it's kind of structuring it out Mm -hmm. and then we kept it really loose like that and i said you know well which half do you want yeah and ironically the my little pony artist (laughs) took the gross monster half of it yeah I, i took the more Weird cerebral David Lynchy side of it, I guess. Yeah, period yeah. piece. Period I call it piece. the
2: sur- surrealistic period piece. Yeah. But yeah, I took it and I was, I took the horror <laughs> side because, and my my stupid pun joke is because is I don't want to look like a one trick pony who can mm-hmm. only do cutesy things. Oh, <laughs> no, very, pony. very
1: fit, funny.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was meant to be a bit of an experiment both mm-hmm. for us too. So it was kind of like, well, what can we do different that we would? you spend a lot of time drawing books for other people in other people's style.
2: Yeah in a very rigid format because it has to be presented to editors so they understand every part of the process and that there's going to be no surprises when it comes to publishing. So it's like let's just throw all that out the window because this is our chance to play.
3: Yeah and really organically play with that. Mm -hmm. So I take my stack of cards and she Mm -hmm. took her stack of cards and at the time she was busy with a Gretzko yeah. and I had some free time. So I actually worked on mine and I had my half finished like a year before you did. Yeah. I think started yours. <laughs> and
2: I was a little intimidated because it looked so good. So
1: it was like, oh, I hope I don't
2: bring this book down.
1: Oh, <laughs> elevated <laughs> it. So. I think you're perfectly balanced. <laughs> and it was a fun
3: thing because we would leave spots while i was drawing it i realized okay there's areas here i can leave blank mm-hmm. and brenda can come in and draw when she's ready on my pages mm-hmm. Yeah, just subtle little things like
1: that so yeah, yeah just a, a quick glimpse of of her main character or the main character in, in her half yeah. of the book like just appearing randomly on one one panel of yours
3: yep mm-hmm. and and the same thing on the other side she would leave spots for me to come in and i would draw on her physical pages and so we
1: had a really good actual crossover in that way as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so. uh, you guys have, uh, once again, you've touched on a number of things that I wanted to ask you about. Um, <laughs> and one of which I think, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Like one of which is, is probably a quick answer, but we can get into uh, more elaboration on it a little bit later. But I did want to ask you guys about um, your process being, how how much of it is digital? Ob- obviously, at least the lettering is Mm-hmm. Actually that's not obvious it might might not be the case <laughs> but uh I am mean he's been nominated how much of it is, for Eisner's is on digital candles. versus traditional how much of it do you do on on actual paper versus mm-hmm. how much do you draw on iPads
2: Yeah um these days we've switched to penciling on iPads we used to back in the day back in the old days we would draw on old paper and pencil but when it comes to inking, we still both really enjoy the traditional inking process. And we love having that uh, artifact left behind. Like if you digitally ink a page, it's like, yeah, it digitally exists. But where's that stack of papers that's slowly growing yeah. on your desk? And you you actually see the progress and you can feel the pages and you get the ink smears on your hands and you feel like you've, yeah, you created something. There's, I don't there's know, a there's tactile like a feeling weird.
3: of working on paper with traditional medium that Mm. You know, after working in digital for a while, I just don't want to do it anymore. I hate it. <laughs> and so, like, I need a break from it. If all I did was digital, I wouldn't probably make comics because mm-hmm. I would hate it.
1: Mm. Yeah, so you do seem uh, to be very, very tactile people, tactile creators. You care a lot about the quality of the book. You care a lot about obviously working on paper instead of digital. I feel like this is your call to make, not mine. But I feel like you guys care a lot about the physical aspect of comics. Is that accurate? You'd say?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Especially in this day and age, where unfortunately AI is becoming more and more of a problem, yeah, we're yeah, just like oh. we want to see things made by humans. Like enough of this. <laughs> Let's yeah. See. Yep. That's- Yep. humans make again
3: yeah it's yeah. just i don't know just that traditional putting a line you're committing the ink to paper like you're stuck mm-hmm. with it mm-hmm. the, the imperfect line the imperfect the smears all that stuff is part of it you know it's
2: yeah proof a human touched it yeah and, yeah. Like, and that's just something, if you, something get, if you
3: get a smooth line it's because you know how to use a brush not because <laughs> your smoothing settings are jacked you know <laughs> yeah
1: on that uh, yeah. on that subject, are there any brushes that you guys want to recommend to uh, to other artists who might be listening? Let's let's get mm. into real technical talk here. Like, what kind of tools do you guys like to use? Yeah, and this um, could apply to the digital side too. If if you uh, have some shout outs for that,
2: I got nothing for digital. Well, I mean, with, with digital, with digital, because we, we've been doing a lot of penciling yeah. with it. Like Procreate is Procreate. probably the closest digital tool yeah. we've had to replicate traditional illustration. So. I will give a shout out to Procreate. Um.
1: A begrudging shout out.
2: <laughs> if I have to
3: say
1: something digital, okay here.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's yeah. great because, I mean, it's, it's handy when you're i'd I'd just be doing a lot of erasing and stuff Mm -hmm. and does make that process good where you just have to like shift and scale something you know instead of erase and redraw the whole thing so Mm -hmm. when you're kind of puzzle piecing out and figuring out a page it's it's a good way of kind of like having a really organic way of playing with it so i'll give you props for that it's very intuitive program
2: yeah yeah procreate feels the most natural for an unnatural thing you know (laughs) and so well
1: let's get into the good stuff then let's talk about your physical tools let's talk about some brushes
2: (laughs) yeah so for inking we kind of can be across the board Mm -hmm. for butterfly house we wanted to depart from what we would usually use which would be uh, different kinds of brushes like we tend to use similar things we influence each other a lot so the brushes we use would be like a raphael point two sable hair brush to get some good cartoony with line weights. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So those ones are always pretty slick to use. I mean, that would
3: look. That's the kind of stuff that looks good with like uh, the My Little Ponies and stuff like yeah. that. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, to
2: get those big cartoony yeah. lines and, and line weights to the characters.
3: And I'm lazy, so I also want portability with the lack of ink bottles. So I, uh-huh. I've got a Kuretake brush pen that I mm-hmm. use a lot if I'm just gonna mm-hmm. either do sketchbook work or just. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm out of the coffee shop and I want to do some inking or I just don't feel like digging out a bunch of water and ink and brushes. And so I'll be lazy sometimes and I'll get the Karataka I used to Pentel for... For a lot of years, but then I found that Kuretake, it just had a better point to it. So yeah, I switched it to it was that. more
2: like an actual brush. Yeah. It's, not, so, not so synthetic feeling. It's yeah. Synthetic, but it didn't feel as synthetic.
3: The pen tell was a lot bigger. So, I mean, depending, I guess, what you're drawing. But when you're doing tiny details, it was just too too big for that.
2: Yeah. Really. And some of the tiny details, we will switch over to um, UniPen felt tip pens at different widths, like 0.01 mm. or 0.3, 0.3. Five, whatever, it's, a,
3: so. it's a deadline so i mean yeah. i use that for rick and morty a lot things like mm-hmm. that that don't require a lot of variation in its line
2: yeah and i use that yeah. for go as well and would build up with it but yeah butterfly house we're like okay we need a new thing because this is the place where we're throwing out everything we've done before and what do we what's a tool we always wanted to use but never had really the chance to play with it so yeah. that's when uh, dip pens came in like the nibs yeah we got a really
3: good dip yeah. pen and I can't remember the name of the brand that we use but it's really stiff
2: you use oh, no, I used, used the radio used, gra- okay, yeah. yeah you used a different one I used one that had an ink cartridge it in it which okay. was um oh yeah I forget the name of it too because the name wore out <laughs> wore off the side of the pen I um,
3: had I had this guy and he's got a whole collection of really old nibs
2: yeah a guy in Texas I met him years ago
3: and he, yeah, he sent me a package. And, and so the, the nib that I used, he had was the one that Charles Schultz uses is a Radiograph 109 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he
2: just sent us a bunch with one of those in it. And we're like, dude, thanks. <laughs> dude, those, those <laughs> things are hard to find. Yeah.
3: So I yeah, I inked with that thing. Yeah,
2: you uh, did that for Butterfly House. And we
3: did the whole book, both of us, on watercolor paper because we wanted to get, uh, you just when you're put, scratching the, the pens and stuff over it, you get a good jittery line to it. again something you couldn't do digitally very well you know Mm -hmm. it would look mechanical or fake but
2: yeah and get that paper texture yeah and and then to do the ink washes on it because the ink washes in the book are all done traditionally so we would take our brushes and like go in and just kind of like messily render it because we wanted it to look a little grimy so we didn't want it to be perfect so yeah go a mm-hmm. little bit sloppy with it in places. Get faces, the
3: toothbrushes yeah. and splatter
2: and the, the salt washes and the salt. <laughs> yeah, I use salt on a lot of my pages, especially as it got crazier. I was like, salt, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trying to, because I mean, that works for watercolors. So I was like, hey, it must work for ink washes too, but I got a weird texture out of it by
1: dumping yeah, it in
2: So every time at mealtime, Troy's was like, where's the salt? <laughs> 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 on the <drawing> table. <laughs> so, sorry.
1: Um, so how important was it for you guys to create the same visual language or or did you take uh, steps to create differing visual language between your halves of the flip book? Like you mentioned, yeah. you, you know, did you share all the same tools or you use the same paper, obviously, like how much of that was planned again. out in one way or the other? How much did you want it to look the same versus different?
3: My intention, and as a, I, I did mine again ahead of Brenda's, mm-hmm. but I said from the get-go, this is something that, independently we should do you do it you do your half exactly the way you want to do it you get out of your side what it is you want to do and communicate how you want to drive and i'm going to do that on my side Mm -hmm. and if it doesn't look the same somehow it's still going to work Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i just went at it the way i wanted to do my side this is the kind of like the paper the tools and the way I thought, this is the way I'd like to draw this half of the story. And Brenda can do whatever she wants with her half, as far as designs go and tools and paper and stuff like that. As
2: long as it was the same aspect
3: ratio. <laughs> that was the biggest one. The
2: and I ended up, I guess, taking a lot from your example because I used the watercolor paper and the ink washes. But I didn't end up using the dip pen because I just... Every time I use dip pens I smear like crazy because the ink takes a little longer to dry, it comes out kind of thick. So I instead, like I said, I used a cartridge right. pen that had the, the stiff nib at the at the tip. Oh, I wish I could remember the name of it, I love but that. <laughs> yeah because, i've used it so much now i've worn the label off the side. sides so, like,
1: yeah, that's just, just a good sign out. that just means it's well loved right it, yeah, yeah it, so it's, it's a good so, tool
2: yeah so i forget what it is
3: but stylistically like yeah. yours you definitely leaned on your kind of side and i just leaned on the way i would want to do things mm-hmm. and and yet it still kind of works even though in a weird like the book itself to, yeah to sort of describe how this book works right as a flip book it doesn't matter which side you read first. So any, any reader could pick this up and then they could start my side. They could start Brenda's side. There's no really,
2: there's no rules. There's no
3: rules mm-hmm. about which where where to start. And mm-hmm. and when you read it through to the middle, uh, you hit a giant splash page, which is kind of like unifies the story and stuff. And then the other half is upside down. So the idea is you just close it, flip it over and you read the other side and you get the full story. Mm-hmm. And it is it, the narrative is a bit of a Mobius strip. So this girl is kind of like trapped in this house through time Mm -hmm. and even though the way she draws her character and the way I draw my character aren't the same it still kind of works somehow like
2: and we kind of liked it too because then somebody coming to it won't realize right off the bat it's the same person
1: yeah Mm -hmm. spoilers sorry yeah (laughs) that's okay we're we're okay to go into spoilers on this show oh
2: no so well it's not super important if you know or don't know but it was it was the thought in our heads that people might engage with this book not really knowing right yeah the connective tissue between the two sides so they might figure it out as they journey along with this girl so yeah or there's a
3: little boy that runs through it he's a ghost in the future and he's maybe a ghost in the past maybe he's not you know Mm -hmm. and he's the one character as well that we both draw as well and looks different Mm -hmm. somewhat yeah i don't know it's (laughs) we just didn't really kind of like have any real like no, you can't draw it that way. You know, you do what you want. You get out of this what you want. This is our thing. Yeah. And I feel if we just trust our gut, it'll work. Yeah. And it did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, we collaborate fairly easily. Like, we're pretty easygoing with each other. Not one of us is controlling over these things. And no, it has to be this way. My vision. It's like, no, it's. Oh, it's right. gonna whatever we do is gonna serve the story. So like I trust your instincts and mm-hmm. I know you're that's, gonna do a good job.
1: That's interesting. I th- would have thought that you guys would have taken more steps to sort of to match your sides of the book to make sure that they feel cohesive together because they do feel so the- cohesive together. I, I yeah, thought that, that there would have part, been part of the fun was
3: just playing with that and letting it happen. You know, what, it, what about
1: um difficult. colors? Did you guys decide on a palette to share between you both? Like I said, it looks so cohesive. It does look like two halves of one book, not two books put together.
2: Yeah. I mean, I had usually Troy would be the one doing his part of the book before I'd get a chance to do it because I end up being busy with paying gigs, like licensed stuff, IPs. So I would kind of always copy them a little <laughs> even though it's like do your own thing I'd still be like Wait, what you're doing looks cool and I want to do it too so <laughs> I guess it just kind of naturally matched because I was like oh what are you doing with the, the color layers like you're adjusting the settings on the color layers this way or that way like oh I want to try that like I want to play with those things too because anytime I because we colored it on photoshop and anytime I color on photoshop it's pretty straightforward how I approach it but we were dealing with like layer
3: with the gray tone really messed up yeah. how to do
2: that because yeah. it could
3: really muddy up the flat colors beneath it so yeah. trying to figure out how to work and i don't know how to color well either so trying to mess around with it until i got something that looked good with the washes and using layers and, and adjustment layers i'm like oh this is neat and yeah i just find these weird texture brushers and splat flat all over it and give it this Yeah, grungy look and then you went next level with that with these purples (laughs) and greens and made it really gunky and I loved your half of it (laughs) I think one of the great things about this sometimes as as an independent creator or comic artist you're very self-deprecating and it's hard to kind of pump your book up but we have the fortunate thing of being fans of each other's work yeah, absolutely. So I can always be like, your side was so awesome. Yeah. Like, it's so great. And
1: yeah, you could sell your own book by selling your partner's book. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Like, no, friend like is as good. And she like, no, oh, this is good.
2: Uh, yeah, I found the fun thing about it was it was like playing again. And I was discovering things in Photoshop and had a color on it, like maybe a little unconventionally, but it was exciting to see what you could do when you changed layers. What do you call it when you do the drop? It's not Adjustment normal. Layers not adjustment layers but it's like when you have the bar and it says normal and then you go down to like multiply yeah. color that's the adjustment, just layers. adjustment layers okay see i still don't really know photoshop i just <laughs> of right. what we're doing just <laughs> <laughs> so it was just fun using that for the first time and really like playing with that sort of thing and like oh well if i put the, this layer under the line art it looks dark but if i put it above the line art it starts to pull out some really interesting things Yeah, in the grays yeah. and so you get surprises like that there's a part at the end where there's like I got a lot of dark greens but then the highlights are in pink and I was like that was kind of found by accident and I just ended up liking it so I was like this just looks good <laughs> like it was like a lot of people put a lot of careful thought and color theory and I'm just like oh I'll just figure like let's Muck around and see what sticks, and... which
3: really suits how we approach the whole book. Is this kind of experiment? You know, there wasn't supposed to be any too many rules about it. You know, the narrative is loose enough that you can kind of, you know, draw your own conclusions to some degree about mm. what it's what it's about and how it works. And hopefully, you're not over ex- explaining everything. And it was a lot of fun in the creation and the process of it. Mm. And yeah, it turned out honestly like we're super proud of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think you both should be. (laughs) Absolutely, it's great to get back on the topic of tools. um, (laughs) Since you are no, 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 it's fine. You guys went into a lot of depth, uh, giving a, a perfect answer that I love to hear. But I wanted to to sort of switch to the other side of both your process, you're both writers, in addition to artists. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm a writer, too. And I'm kind of a nerd about writing tools, like (laughs) writing Mm -hmm. things on paper first. And because of your tactile approach to everything else you do, I'm wondering, how, how do you guys write? Physically, how do you write? Do you type everything out mm-hmm. on a laptop? Do you get out an old typewriter from the closet and crank out a first draft? Uh, how does that work <laughs> for both of you?
2: Yeah, um, I'm still figuring out my writing style. On ponies, I just drew the, the pictures, I'd get the script, and I would draw the pages. And so there's a lot of years where I wasn't writing anything. I was just kind of going through the motions of being the illustrator on this. Yeah, I still feel like I'm trying to find my method for writing. Like I wrote Halls of the Turnip King. And I had a very loose summary that was maybe like 10 pages long for the book with some very vague dialogue. And I printed that off. And then from there, it was more of a roadmap than a script or anything. It would just kind of keep me on track. And I would, if I was drawing the pages and I found, well, this scene doesn't quite work. Let's cut that. And it would be funnier if this happened instead of this. Like it was super organic, but having something, holding it together would make it so I wouldn't go so far off the main goal. So I kind of, like I say, it's more of a roadmap, but our fly house, of course, we got the note cards <laughs> Yeah, <it was laughs> and an we did that for sure. Cause yeah. we're like, you know, all this time working on license IP, we're not going to do the script format where it's like page one, page two, page three, panel one, panel two, panel three. Like we don't want any of that. This is their chance to like really do something different. And a Gretzko of course I wrote that for Oni press. So it had to be more of that structured page one, two, three, but yeah, I do like to, write things down on paper, writing things feels good before I get right into doing it on computer on a word processor. I just feel like you go a little slower so you can think a little bit more about it. And then if you want to backtrack on an idea, you just kind of scratch it out, but you can still kind of see it. It's not like hundred percent gone. Like it would be if you deleted it on a word file. So it's like, I like doing a little bit of that, feeling it out. It feels more like talking to myself, talking myself through the process and like, I don't know, seeing the words written in your handwriting. I don't know. It's, it's different. It's hard to just go. I don't know. There's something about a blank Word file that's intimidating. But mm-hmm. a page doesn't matter as much. It's I, pressure I totally to agree That
1: that. Yeah. That's you, you absolutely part of the process. for me. My first t-shirts. draft always has to be on paper. I feel like it's just mm-hmm. easier to do a first draft. And it helps to make sure I actually fix things on a set instead of just like making minor corrections, having to retype the entire thing, uh, mm-hmm. at least for me, you guys mm-hmm. can talk a little bit more. Troy, I'd love to hear sort of your, your approach to much the same. steps of your writing.
0: Um,
3: <laughs> We're too yeah, similar. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, we spend all our time together,
3: so I'm sure there's a lot yeah. of bleed over in how we do stuff. But yeah, I mean, I have a, I've got a notebook and it's full of illegible writing. That even I can't understand half, half the time, but it, it's just ideas, or you know, a summary, or if I need whatever I need, it usually it always starts in just a little spiral notebook that I've got with a pen. You know, like there's nothing fancy about it whatsoever.
2: Sometimes you can even put a little doodle here or there in the margins, so you can kind oh, yeah. of visualize.
3: I'll <laughs> figure out page layouts that way. I think, yeah.
2: <laughs> I think
3: yeah. one of the there's two ways of kind of approaching the writing on our sides, because as as a writer artist, you have the whatever the, the the means to be able to write loose and fill in the gaps as you as you're drawing it, you know, like it's it's your story. You can kind of do it less structured. When you're bringing it to a publisher and stuff, they need to see the page breakdown and mm-hmm. you know the panel breakdown and stuff. And so there's a whole different kind of method of approaching that, which feels a little bit more stiff, yeah. you know, a little bit more rigid and locked in. Because once it goes through the process, you're you're stuck with it. Whereas mm-hmm.
2: At least leading up to it, it's pretty organic though. Yeah. It's the notebook stage. Yeah. 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 So you still get that a little bit.
3: So you start off there and, and, and then at some point it kind of deviates depending on if you're writing for yourself <laughs> or for somebody else's, you know, has to yeah. kind of like understand it, you know, if it's yeah. only for you, boy, you can be, you can handle it totally different. So when, when I was doing my half of Butterfly House to kind of keep it within that very loose context. I'd take my note card, you know, and I would, I had 26 pages. I wrote 26 numbers, like page one, girl running in woods. Page two, she trips. Page three, she gets up. Page four, she finds the house. Like it, it was as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And they never wrote anything more than that. So that when I went to the page, that's what I had to go. That's This is what I have to draw is I have to fill up a page with this. Mm-hmm. And I had to kind of think it through without having it kind of thought out beforehand.
2: Yeah, it's very project dependent. I yeah, think, so far, yeah. my method. I haven't, I'm not married to any kind of certain structure at this point. Like maybe someday I'll get set in my ways and it's like it has to be done this way. But at this point in my career, I feel like I'm still kind of all over the place with the writing process. But it does always have to start in some sort of notebook. That's the only consistent yeah. thing, or yeah. on paper somewhere. Yeah.
3: When you get it to when you start to transcribe it into a text file from that, then you can kind of start like working the minutiae or moving it around. And you can kind of see it a little clearly mm-hmm. more what's not working or yeah. easy to just take stuff out that's just no good, you know, as far as editing
2: goes. Yeah. Well, and luckily from- having you in the room with me, I'm like, By the time I get a first draft done, I'm like, I can't tell if this is anything anymore. So please help me like see it with some fresh eyes and tell me what's working, what's not. And I can do that for you too.
3: Yeah, we'll go for a walk and just be like talk out ideas and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Having to re-explain
1: something you wrote in words, in conversation. I I think that's great. It helps you figure out what's not working when you can't explain it with your words properly. You go, oh shit, maybe I should uh, back to the drawing board on that one.
3: We'll yeah. get to a spot where I can't figure out, like, what's why does this happen? I need a reason why this happens, and she'll have an idea, you know. Yeah. And like, perfect. Wait, oh, yeah, it's perfect. And the ideas start going from that.
2: Yeah, well, it's just fun. It's, it's great fun to it talk it
3: out. Fun. It's good
1: to have someone Co- you can really collaborating's great. Yeah, That's part of making it. comics, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So a lot of books, it's like you know, written by Brenda Hickey, but I'm like, yeah, there's elements of Troy where <laughs> 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 you can probably. Well, they'
3: be a bit page here. they're like, God, I can't draw this. What is yeah. it? How would you draw this?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I mean again, that's the, the wonderful thing about doing what we do mm-hmm. and having the same kind of sensibilities about how we approach this stuff is you just trust the other person to come over with something that you wouldn't come up with. You just get stuck. Yeah. and you can say to this person be like, what would you do?" If you were to do this. Mm-hmm. And that sounds you know, incredibly helpful. If it doesn't <laughs> yeah. if it's not what you want, it's not a big deal either. Nobody's offended by it, you know? Yeah. There's an infinite number of ways to draw a panel. Mm-hmm. So you just have to settle with one.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And I guess that would be the benefit of anybody working in a studio as well. If they felt like their peers, they could they could talk to like that Mm -hmm. as well. So we're a lot of people say, Oh, I couldn't work with my spouse in the room all day. That would drive me crazy. I'm like, well, it's so for us, it's invaluable. Like we get along really well, we collaborate well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's super helpful when you're having a frustrating day. And you're like, I just, I keep feeling like I'm hitting my head against a brick wall. Like I don't know what I'm either I'm tired, or I don't know what it is. You just get in your head about this is what I see in my head, but I can't get it on paper. And it's like, you have to have like having someone to remind you like you know back away from what you think it should be and like give it a minute and then maybe you know if you have to scrap it and it's better to do it this way like you know it's just sometimes struggling
3: with the drawing is so much better just delete it if you're doing it if you're doing your pencil stage I just can't figure this out just
2: yeah
3: erase it and And have somebody there yeah
2: have somebody there to get you out of your head (laughs) yeah it's super helpful take a step back and breathe so this just a comic it's just comic like it's gonna be okay we'll figure this out
3: it's a process yeah, yeah.
2: trust, the, trust
1: process. the process it sounds like you guys have a very uh, healthy and good process between the both of you and i'm a yeah. little bit jealous of that that, that sounds really nice <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really nice um returning really briefly really briefly to to the the writing on cards method that you mentioned is how you did butterfly house i just Mm -hmm. want to second that i i love writing out each page sort of on a cue card and and saying oh this is what needs to happen on this page this is what needs to happen on this page laying them all out i'm a very visual person you get them all in front of you and then another weird aspect of that is just like shuffling them all around even like at random and being like oh what if now page two is now page 10 like does that work like what and and i don't know it it helps to spark creativity come up with new ideas yeah
3: yeah absolutely
1: story structure yeah yeah it's i uh... i want to second it that's all i i just wanted to chime in and say it's a great idea i love it i love that you guys are doing it (laughs)
3: i was a big fan for many many years of the beats and william burroughs with the cut up method and all those kind of things really fascinated me so that idea of you know what he had breaking control and kind Mm -hmm. of seeing what comes out of that he would cut up audio tapes as well as books and rearrange them and yeah Mm -hmm. and you get something that you wouldn't come up with necessarily it's almost like abstract art for
2: literature you know yeah, yeah, again, and- like like the Photoshop just messing around. Like you yeah. just mess around and you, you'll find something really interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like one of yeah. the problems. Sometimes it's not great, mind. but, you know, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you come up with really cool stuff that you wouldn't yeah. have done otherwise. Yeah, but
2: it was nice with Butterfly House because, I mean, of course we love comics, but anything that becomes a job, eventually you forget to play with it. And yeah. Butterfly House was a really good reminder that artists play. Mm-hmm. so that was really really refreshing like again I love comics and I love working in the IPS I do but just that nice shake up
1: another quick thing that I probably wanted to ask you about was because you are both writers which we were just talking about and you are both obviously artists which we've also been talking about at length I just want to know how do you guys feel about the word cartoonist
2: mm, i I don't mind it I love it I love cartoons and I feel like yes. there's no shame in the word <laughs> like I just there's just so much potential like cartoons what people tend to think of when they hear the word cartoons is like don't limit it man it can be anything it's so much it's cartoon it's a, a life to it like that word is a life to it mm-hmm. like people that want to make everything serious like what to be called graphic novel you can't call it comics it's like
1: <laughs> like life doesn't have to be so serious oh that life. hurts me as someone it's who awesome. always talks about their book as graphic novels oh no oh
2: no no it's fine no, i don't no. hate the term graphic novel i'm just saying some people are like no no no, no it's not a comic. Yeah. It's a graphic novel, yeah. like, you know, just a little bit too insistent where it's like, you know, you can loosen up and yeah. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't have to be animation. It can be cartoons. I yeah. have no trouble with it personally.
3: Yeah, I grew up with Looney Tunes. I mean, cartoons are what I've always loved. So I think one thing I always, you know, I always say struggle with and stuff, but it bothered me for a lot of years. You know, I, w- I want to be able to draw any and everything like I kind of none of my books kind of look the same and that's because I just don't want to either repeat myself or or the story or the tone or something doesn't suit the previous way I drew something so I just feel like I'm adapting to a new thing and I'm inconsistent I don't have the same thing always and then you know so like why can't I draw like Jim Lee mm-hmm. like well because I don't want to for one but then like I realized one day you know like one of my favorite artists is Sergio Aragonés. And why would Sergio Aragonas think he has to draw like Jim Lee? Like, he's a master at what he does in cartooning. What's wrong with that? You know, like, so being a cartoonist, all of a sudden, I thought is just like, wow, you know, actually, that's, that's a great thing to just be is something that someone who draws not necessarily replicating life, you know, but it's comics don't have to just be a, a drawn version of reality. They can be something it should be, in my opinion, something else that exists independent of reality as opposed to just trying to replicate you know what harrison ford looks like in star wars to make a good Han solo right why can't we get james colchaka to do that you know
2: and play with the medium
3: yeah i mean it
2: depends obviously on what the creator is going for in their book like if you wanted to do something a bit totally more this way or that way mm -hmm. like again comics like I, i didn't mean to like make you feel bad when I was
1: like graphic novel no, I'm completely <laughs> joking I'm I, there's <laughs> yeah. not an ounce of seriousness in there
2: because my my thing is always comics can be anything yes. like that's what really connected with me with the Scott McLeod books is that he really emphasized comics can be anything and it's what that individual brings to the blank page is what the beauty of it is yeah so I feel like whatever you whatever you're going for with your book whatever your goal is it's completely valid it's just me personally i don't mind somebody says it's comics oh sorry graphic novel i'm like don't worry yeah. don't it's it's all good to me or yeah
3: cartoonist isn't like a derogatory term. not in our well that's <laughs> a very interesting
1: well, answer considering both your bios say comic artist and writer right. you didn't say you know troy little is a cartoonist from prince edward right. island so uh <laughs> what's up with well,
3: that i there's a there's a problem in, in the comic books industry where some at some point in the 90s, it switched uh from being the artists were king to the writers were king. Yeah. And I've done a lot of work in service to the license and IP projects, and the artist is hardly mentioned anymore. They only talk oh, yeah. to the writers. Yeah. So I kind of have to put the writer in there to get any sort of acknowledgement
2: ah. that that is the thing that I actually do.
1: You need the little <laughs> keyword writer right at the yeah. top. Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess maybe it's my insecurity that I'm still feel like I'm new to writing because I did so many years on Pony where it was just my art. So maybe it's an insecurity that I feel like, you know, I should indicate that I'm not always writing. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So you're a comic like,
1: artist more than you are. I understand. Yeah.
2: I don't know. Maybe it's an insecurity in me that I'm like, I feel like it's taking a lot of credit to say I'm a cartoonist and encompassing this whole thing. Like I always do both things all the time. So I don't know so yeah. i don't know maybe that's no. my knee-jerk reaction to be like i don't want to no that totally explains it.
1: yeah <laughs> but if your answers make perfect sense both of you okay i did want to ask you one thing about the very niche thing inside the book inside butterfly house there is this character that you've mentioned already before uh the boy uh i guess mm-hmm. this nameless the, the child character who is a ghost or maybe is not a ghost in one of them or maybe is but the the entire work, the entire book has such a, a distinct theme of change and of metamorphosis, and obviously the butterflies and the caterpillars, the metamorphosis of them plays a, a huge role in, in establishing theme in this book. And this character, this boy character, is completely stagnant. Between both your sides, he is one fixed age. Between both these timelines happening at the same time, did you guys think about those themes and, and sort of inverting them in this one character to represent a counterpoint, or was there anything intentional there, or am I reading too much into stuff? And you're just like, hey, happy accident, whatever.
3: I always want to default to the to the David Lynch thing where he says most people don't know that erasure Your Head is
1: my most spiritual film. Yeah, and they say, <laughs> can you elaborate on that? <laughs> No. (laughs) All right. Yeah, if that's how you want to handle things, that's totally... No, no, not at all.
3: (laughs) I love that answer. Uh, I mean, the book was a bit of a Rorschach with the Butterfly House theme to it. So where we could try to put and pull in any kind of things that would mirror one side to the other. And he's the, the constant between the two sides. I don't know if we overthought a whole lot of it. In a way, we kind of kept it loose in that way that maybe we don't even know certain aspects of the story and I think that's good because it leaves it to the reader to figure out what they want to interpret and pull from that Mm -hmm. so overthinking it and stuff or trying to give it a solid reason for why some things happen or don't almost don't appeal to me like I just kind of like that it exists in this weird way that even I can interpret it different ways and that kind of keeps a keeps a a very small story very alive
2: Hmm. yeah it's funny we got teenage twins here and They were actually, they usually don't really pay too much attention to what we do, but they were interested in butterflies because they like Coraline and kind of that creepy stuff. So when the book came out, they're like, we're going to take this to school. We're going to let our friends read it. And -hmm. they actually came home and said that a friend of theirs had fan theories. (laughs) So I was like, you know, you made it when a teenager has fan theories. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so i thought that was really funny yeah
3: okay. yeah I'm well I, I, i'm really happy that like a very short story mm. has a lot more to it in a sense than oh yeah it's got depth yeah
2: it, it has mm-hmm. something
3: to it that you can chew on for a little while it doesn't just like one and done you read it yeah. and it's over and that well, was absolutely. definitely
2: intentional is that we're like it's a small volume and we want to make people feel like the story that they got out of it was definitely worth the price of admission because of course for the presentation we wanted for it yeah it had it to be a little pr- price higher price point so, yeah so yeah.
1: Thank you both for joining me. Uh, really quick, before we wrap things up, I just wanted to ask you both, because we're doing this horror-themed uh, month here on the on the podcast, is there any horror comic that you really enjoy that you'd like to recommend?
2: Great. Um, yeah, I thought of this one. The Case of the Missing Men and its sequel, uh, with The Cursed Hermit. It's by a Nova Scotia writer and artist pair. It's really, really good. It's like surrealistic, David Lynchy, but in a small town maritime setting, which I really love.
3: I mean, Brenda quickly mentioned Lock and Key, which is, is a good one around this house. We really mm-hmm. like that one for sure because I'm, I'm a fan of Joe Hill. I also get accused of looking like Joe Hill. So there's that. <laughs> and Stephen King. And too. Stephen King, yeah. So
2: you're part of the family now. I
3: am. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of something that I can't top in my head. I know I really enjoyed a book called water snakes by Tony Sandoval. Uh, that
2: one's a bit more surrealistic. It's a surrealistic,
3: yeah. beautiful little book and it's got some, some creepy, weird sea creature animal things going on. I
1: and mean, it's a cool book. Okay. Thank you for the recommendations. I I'll have to check those out. Uh, yeah, sound great. yeah. And yeah. thank well, you both. I- thank you, Brenda. Thank you, Troy for joining me on the podcast. I really enjoyed having you both on, on the show, and hopefully our listeners will be checking out your fantastic flip book,
0: Butterfly House. Well,
2: thanks for having us. This it is was great. a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks thanks for hanging out. Yeah.
0: Thank you once again to Brenda and Troy for joining me for this episode. If listeners want to check out their books, please visit PegamoosePress.com. Pegamoose also has a Patreon and Instagram that I'll link down below. Troy is on Instagram at angora Napkin and Brenda is on Instagram at brenda underscore e underscore hickey as always all the links will be down in the episode description special thanks to matt campbell for composing our music and patrick hart for designing our logo we hope you enjoyed this episode of the creators on comics podcast